I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Leaf Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. James, we're inching closer and closer to actual games that matter. Are you loving the preseason? Like, how great is this? It's so good. Yo, how come? Why are there only six games? Why can't they just, just play? Just like, ten, don't- right? Why don't they have an 82 game preseason and then just play like three regular season games? Yeah, then I mean, just do the playoffs, right? <laughs> Pre- at least preseason's only six, right? Like there have been other years where it's been eight or nine before. Well, so I've been thinking, and you, maybe you can answer this. Uh, we have a lot to get into. We'll get into some cuts, and I want to play a game that I invented with you, and obviously we'll do the pod bag. But maybe you can answer this because I've been thinking about it a lot just watching some of these games. How difficult do you think it is for teams and positions where like you really do have roster spots and, and all that kind of thing to decide when the games are like this like I was at the game on Tuesday night and shots were 34 to 7 and I was thinking like how, how do you make like that much of this you know what I mean like how do you decipher between what's real and what's like just some guys going through the motions and like AHL goalies and you know what I mean like it just must you be hard what? You know what it seems to me has happened? I don't know if it's, the, I want to say the last five or six years, but it seems like more and more teams now, because there's so many preseason games, they carry two full rosters. And yeah. for their road games, lots of times they just put like a total crap roster together and just like they don't even, they're just going through the motions. Like they, they have to play those games because they make money for their team and their team wants to play those games. But they, like, yeah, I think if it was up to, like, Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas and whatever, like, they don't need all these games. Like, you probably only need, like, three games for your real roster. And you want to see some of your kids play and stuff like that. The weird thing for the Leafs, I don't ever remember a year when the, the roster has been as set as it is. Like, there's just – we were going to do a story on, like, roster battles or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, there's no, there's no there's no battles. Like, what's the, what's the battle that's happening? You know, it's like – they're so tight against the cap, they can only carry 21 players. There's there's not a lot of extra spots. I mean, I 
it's up in the air who that extra player is going to be. But that's if you read the story I just put on on the site on on Wednesday afternoon, it's like well, basically there's like one there's one question mark that needs to be answered here before the season starts, and that's got to be. So really, training camp's really about you know you get a look at some of these these fringe guys, and and when you run into injuries, then you've you've know a little bit more about them, but. For the most part, you're trying to get the power play in sync and ready for the season, and you're trying to just get everyone's fitness level to where you want it to be, and then away you go. Yeah, and I, and I guess you're right. Like, it's not – you can see certain things. Like, Semyonov, for example, looks interesting. That It doesn't mean, like, he's an NHL player, but the preseason, he's looked interesting, and, like, they've used him in a lot of different ways. And obviously, as of now, when we're recording this, he is still on the roster – I, I can't see him being on the roster at the end. Like you can't rule everything out, but I, I don't really think to you to this point, any of the cuts have been surprising. Like they've all just been kind of everything we expected. Like you can run down, you wrote about it for the athletic. If people want to check that out about the latest cuts, but anything like about the latest group really stand out to you. Mm, I thought maybe there would be a couple more cuts to be honest. Like they still have 27 players. Like they have, they are 17 forwards still on the roster. That's, yeah. that's a lot. Do you think that that's maybe they just want to sneak those guys through on the last day of waivers when there's going to be like 800 billion of these guys available? Like- I actually wanted to ask you that because I, I read your story and you mentioned like maybe they try to sneak these guys through on the last day, Monday, when there's like a lot of players like you're saying on waivers. And then I was thinking, well, is that the right day or is it should you do it earlier? Like, do you think there is a right time or do you just have to kind of hope? I think the last day makes sense because most teams will have like set their rosters by then. Whereas if you do it a day or two early, there's going to be fewer players and waivers. Teams are still like thinking about like their last few cuts. The only thing that could happen with waiting is there could be some injuries to someone and then all of a sudden teams need need someone and they're going to be on the lookout to claim someone. Well, isn't that what happened? Um, like, go back a few years with the goalies. Didn't weren't there injuries to some teams in goal, and that's yep. why they claimed some of the guys. Yep, yep, for sure. Goalies are are well. Even was it? It was last year, right, with the taxi squad and Aaron Dell, and they yeah, so right. They, they tried to they, they tried to like outfox the other teams, and they held on to Aaron Dell for a little while, and then they like. They were moving some things around and then they waved him. Whatever. I can't remember. It was like two weeks into the season or something and he got claimed and because there were a bunch of teams that, that had injuries. And I mean, it's it's funny that there's like all these like maneuvers to keep someone like Aaron Dell who, who's like, I think he's on, I think he was on waivers today. You know, I think that, I think he got cut from Buffalo, I think today. Really? With Buffalo's goalies, he got cut, eh? He had a tough year. He had a tough year last year. Is, uh, the, the goalies are... There um, Ander- isn't it Anderson and like... Craig Anderson Dek- and... Uh, Dust- Dustin. Yeah, those are the, going to be the Holy goalies. Holy hell. Yeah. yeah, I was just reading something about that on uh, on this little site called theathletic.com. I wanted to ask you about your guy, or is he my guy? Pierre Engvall. So you mentioned in the story, and it's something you and I have debated, like would a team claim him and i'm just like look i just pulled up while you were talking arizona's roster and i'm just looking at their forwards and like yeah like you can make a case like he should be he's better than jay beagle at this point in his career like you know what i mean like he's he should in theory be claimed by a bad team if you put him through waivers i mean i don't think last year he qualified at that point to require waivers he qualified after he had played i think it was 13 games so but remember he got cut to start yeah because well because he because he, oh but there was a taxi squad right mm-hmm. no he didn't make the taxi squad 
Yeah, but but Jonas, he wasn't waiver eligible until he had played like another 13. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They haven't faced a situation where like no. he could be lost. He hasn't been on waivers before. Right. I just think with his size and his skating ability and he's he's played a little bit of center, I think there's still a little upside there. I do too. So I, if I was another team, I would look at him for sure. But that's easy to say when you haven't seen the waiver lists for – there's like there's lots of decent players that – you know, there, there's guys that were first round picks like three years ago that are on waivers. And, you know, there's there's been some interesting names the last couple of days. So what do you think happens? <sighs> What's that saying, James? Like the, the simplest solution is usually the solution or something? The simplest answer? The debate is, do you just keep Engvall on the roster because you don't want to lose him on waivers or do you try and sneak him through on waivers? Like that's, to me, that's really the only debate because I don't, you're not going to lose. Semyonov and Lilgren don't, don't require waivers to go down. So they're going to go mm-hmm. up and down throughout the course of the year. So then you got to wave Adam Brooks, uh, Michael Amadio, uh, Curtis Gabriel and, and Alex Piega. I don't think any of them are going to get claimed. I mean, maybe outside shot on Brooks. I kind of feel like every team probably has a a Brooks type. Yeah. But maybe, I mean, he's cheap. So like really like the debate is, is, is with Engvall. And I think that they're going to need to to carry an extra defenseman a couple of weeks into the season. So the point might not really matter because you might just end up having to wave Engvall in two weeks. And at that point he might go on waivers and there's, you know, another other teams have injuries or they don't like the look of their guys and there's not going to be a lot of other players on waivers. So, anyway, that that's that's the debate. I think you kick it down the road. And, I mean, you don't have to have a seventh defenseman when you go on the road. Like, it's not like they have any long trips. They have a two-game trip. Or I guess it's three games. Three games. Yep. Okay. Yep. But, I mean, if someone gets hurt, I guess it gets a little complicated. But if someone gets hurt, let's say, I think they play a Sunday night in Pittsburgh. If someone gets hurt, you can always rejig your roster right unless they get hurt like that it's too late to get some to get someone there right like most teams when they go on the road they carry more than six defensemen because you don't want to have to play a game with with five defensemen yeah but i guess i would counter is it is it worth loot like let's 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 be let's frame this a little bit like from a zoom perspective like pierre angle is like a 12th 13th 14th forward whatever but like you can get into a situation where you have to use him like you look in the playoffs last year he was on their third line so, like, do you want to lose him just so you can carry an extra defenseman on the road for a couple games? Like, maybe not. Like, I don't think so. But, but James, I did actually want to bring up um, before you respond. I, I thought it was interesting, like, just listening to Keith talk about Engvall, talk about Brooks. Like, those guys he knows probably better than anybody in the organization. Like, he's had them from basically the beginning – and, you know, he said what he needs to see from those guys is separation, where it's clear that they're NHL players. And I think it's hard for someone like, like in, in, the, in the games that we're seeing for guys like that, like to me, Engvall clearly looks like he's an NHLer in the way he skates, how big he is, like his versatility. I'm less sure about Brooks. Like, I think he's more tweener-ish. But anyway, the, I don't know how much time we need to spend on Brooks and <laughs> Well, that's kind of the decision that we're at with training camp. I mean, really. I mean, I, I, I guess eh. you're probably right, though. Like, pro- what's more important with this training camp is, like, how do the guys higher in the lineup look? How does the power play look? 
all of that stuff. But, you know, these are the cut decisions that have to get made. And I've actually, you know, to be, like you mentioned Semyonov, I, I think that, that Amadio has looked fine. Like, I, I think that Brooks has looked fine. If if all of these guys clear waivers, they've got a lot more depth at center. They've got a lot more options. And if they do run into injuries, I feel like relatively confident that they're going to be able to call up someone who's going to be a good contributor. And the their level of depth is... Right now, the the way that we have the lines is is Richie, Matthews, Marner, Bunting, Tavares, Nylander, Mikheyev, Kampf, Kasha, Simmons, Kerfoot, Spezza. I mean, just the fact that Kerfoot has gone from, you know, being like a second or third line staple to he's playing on the fourth line, that kind of shows you that they've got a few more options at forward this year than they did last season. Well, I think there's a little bit of like a misnomer, James, like that they are weaker up front. And I, I actually don't think that that's the case. I think Zach Hyman obviously is a big part of that idea, maybe, or conception because he was such an important player. And obviously, no one they got is as good as Zach Hyman. But if like you, you look at some of the other pieces that they've replaced, like I'm looking at their roster like from the start of last year, and it's like they've got Thornton and they've got VC and they've got Barabanov and they've got like Boyd. You know what I mean? Boyd and like, and I just think like Kasha is like. Kasha, you, when you see him up close, you're just like, man, like this guy is good. Like this, like Sheldon Keith pointed out, like you watch him and you're like, that is an NHL player and you feel it. Like, and so I, I just think some of the other pieces, like they might be a little bit better. Like, I don't know. Like there, there's something about them that I think is different. Like you mentioned Kerfoot, like Kerfoot is now pushed down the lineup. We'll see what happens with Bunting and Richie and, and even Kasha, but. I don't know. I feel like they they might actually be a little bit better or the same. It, it just depends on like how much you value or you want to value Hyman versus the other guys that they had last year. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, we'll we'll see. I mean, they need Kasha to stay healthy. They need Bunting to like take a next step in his career and like show them he's an Ancheller. They need Richie to be more than he's probably been in his career. They're, they're like there's they need David Kampf to be more than a guy that scores one goal all year. Like there there's a bunch of ifs in there, but like on paper it, it looks like that they could be stronger deeper in the lineup. Well, that is a good segue, James, for the game that I've created. Now, do you want to take a break and start playing the game, or do you want to get into the game and then take a break midway through? I think I, I think I need a break to get ready for the to psych myself okay. up for this game. Psych yourself up. Go to the mirror. Pump yourself up. <laughs> put on some like I don't know Tool or some of that heavy metal music you listen to, and get yourself ready. We'll take a break, and then it's time for my special game. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, James, this is my special game, and I think you and I are going to 
write some version of this this week because I, I I'm having fun with it. The game is called Convinced or Unconvinced. Are you ready? I'm so ready, Jonas. This is making my week right here. All right. I had so much fun with this. All right. Convinced or unconvinced, James, Spencer Carberry's fresh take on the power play will prove sustainable. I mean, it looks good so far. It looks like, you know, I like I like how much different it looks than, than what we saw last year and what, I think probably what we've seen the last couple of years. Um it it looks like they're trying to be a lot more dynamic and and move the puck quickly. I like the idea of Marner playing in the middle. Uh, so I'm going to say for, you know, you're not giving me another option, so I'm going to say convinced. <laughs> what would be like a, a between convinced or unconvinced? Sort of convinced? I don't know. It's, I'm like cautiously optimistic. Cautious- it, it looks like they're on the right path. I mean, I think we've seen everything in training camp and preseason that you could want to see to say, yeah, I think the power play is going to be better than it was for most of last year. Yeah, I guess the only thing you haven't actually seen is like the full unit in a game. Um, and we'll see if Austin Matthews is able to play on Saturday. You, you may be listening to this on Saturday when it's decided whether he's in or not. But like you can see, I, I really, the word that you, you mentioned on the podcast last week has really stuck with me and that's chaos. Like you can just see that it's more, it stands to be more difficult to defend because the threats are kind of everywhere. Like you could conceivably now see anybody scoring and anybody shooting. Whereas last year, like it really just felt like they were always gearing up for the Matthew shot. Like nothing else really felt like a sustainable option. You know what I mean? And like the sustainability thing with their power play is like it got stale as every, as the past couple of years went along because it became so clear what they were trying to do. And now if you have like all these different threats, like Tampa, like Boston, I just think they're going to be harder to defend. So I'm with you. The thing you want in a power play is it, it shouldn't need to be like an overpowering shot or like an unbelievable play that creates a goal. And what, I, you know, some of the goals they've been scoring in the power play look like they're just like little flicks of the wrist in front of the net. And that that's what like you want to have like the play that, um, even the even the play that Tavares made where it was to uh, Brendan uh, Mennel and he and he just bangs it in from the point. You want to have like a lot of those little short passes and like deception and the goals that Nick Ritchie scored. It's not like he's like it's not like he's hammering you know a one time or top corner. And it felt like too often the power play last year they were looking for the perfect play. When yeah, the Matthews shot right the yeah, one time. Yeah, when like you just want to have like a lot of different options that. Who cares how pretty it is, right? Like, you know, you just want to have like some bang, bang passes that that get the puck on net and get the goalie moving around the net and get, and break the PK box open as much as you can. So mm-hmm. I, I like what they're working on. I, I bet you, I don't know if he's talked about this in camp. You've been around more than, than I have this year. I bet you Sheldon Keefe spent a lot of his summer like looking at different power plays around the league and thinking about what he wanted to do differently this year. As he should. And he called, I think he called that like the biggest priority of the offseason for the coaching staff. And obviously he put a new assistant coach new to the NHL in charge. But I think you're right. Like, and, and even just watching them at practice, James, like it's all quick, like, and, and more direct and like quick strikes and like Tavares, like Tavares even feels, and again, this is just more practice, active. like more active, like, yeah. and, and just like they're making a point of like getting him involved. And like he's, I mean, he's one of the better scores around the net of the past decade like he can he should be used and and neander should be used and like even riley like riley doesn't have the most dangerous shot but just the threat of something different from the point where like that's an option 
Um, makes a lot of sense. So, next one, James. Speaking of Riley, convinced or unconvinced, the Leafs will sign Morgan Riley to an extension. Dot dot dot. Eventually, huh? Uh, I'm going to say unconvinced. I just I, I feel like the number is going to be too high for the Leafs to do it. But the the only the, the the hesitation I have, Jonas, is that I I. I don't know if they would have played it this way unless they thought that they could still get it done. If if that makes sense, like I, what do you mean? I, I don't know if they would have waited unless they thought there possibility the door was still open to to get the extension done. Like I, I, yeah. I think they're going to still try to get it to extend him. Well, the the problem there's many problems, but one of the big problems is now the price in theory has gone up because of some of the deals that were signed. Yeah, the sense I get, James, is like the under that this is going to be a long process if there is a process. And obviously, and I saw Elliot Friedman had in his thirty-two thoughts that like they're planning to kind of see how the year goes. But that that to me, like I'm un- I'm with you. I'm unconvinced. To me, that that suggests like you get into a situation like they just went through with Zach Hyman, whereas. If, if Morgan Riley has a really good year, he's probably going to be too expensive. And if he doesn't have a really good year, then you're probably looking at him and be like, yeah, we're probably not signing you to a long deal. The, yeah. That said, so. if, if Riley really wants to stay, that's 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 the wild card here. And from what I've been told, he does. So he's going to have to weigh, he's going to have to weigh what the difference in money is on the open market versus really wanting to stay. We just went through this. I'm like, I'm very sure Zach Hyman really wanted to stay, but when you're offered so much more money, like it's really hard to turn it down. And I was thinking like over the off season, like how many players have really genuinely taken hometown discounts? And the only, the only guys I could think of really recently are the Tampa guys. I, maybe like mm-hmm. I'm obviously missing others, but you you don't really see the hometown discount really be much of a thing anymore. And even those deals, like, some of them are shorter, you well, know what I mean? Like, I can or see, they were. I can see a world where the Leafs would go seven million long term, and on the open market, I don't know how much more than that he's going to get. He's going to get more, but maybe it's not the same as Hyman, where it's not going to be like, you know, with Hyman, I, I think that the the dollar per year value that Edmonton was willing to go over, what the Leafs are going to go over, was a lot. What's Riley going to get on the open market? Like like seven five, seven point seven, seven point eight, something like that. So yeah, something all, like that. All of a sudden, like the numbers are pretty close, right? Like if the Leafs are willing to go to seven. Okay, but so answer me this question. You're you're better at this stuff than I am. Okay, so the cap is not going up, right? Uh, it might go up. It's it, they think it's going to go up about a million dollars next year. Okay, so a million dollars. So basically, what you're telling me is that or Morgan Riley right now makes five. Where are they going to get this extra money from? Jack Campbell's going to need a new contract. Like, how are they going to find more space? The end of the Phil Kessel salary retention begins. Oh, there you go. I guess that's <laughs> one. That's one. That's one way. There's your 1.2 million. They're finally going to be out of jail. That's still not enough. No, I, like Jack I, Campbell's. Like, I'm, I guess I'm joking. You know what could happen? I mean, they might just get into a situation where they can't keep both goalies if if Campbell has a good year. Well, I don't no, know. no, they, they can't. No, they can't. Like, yeah. they need Mrazek to have a good year, not just because they want to have a good season, but also they want some flexibility that they're not they're not stuck with that contract if they decide to move him. Yeah, the three years is is potentially tricky. So, I, 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 I think you can make $7 million for Riley work. Um, 
it's effing tight, isn't it? It's tight. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tight like a tiger. Well, I mean, like maybe they want to wait to get into the season because they're going to think about maybe they're thinking about there's some other pieces in the core that can move around and they value Riley at seven more than they value player X at 10.9. That, that, re- that does not make sense. I'm sorry. He's like Mitch Marner is 24. Riley will be, I believe, 28 when this contract starts. I believe. Yeah, I think that's accurate. You can't. Well, what? You can't okay. Keep, well, let's let me phrase it a different way. Maybe they value sure. Riley more at seven than they do Muzzin or Brody at five. Yeah, five-ish. that's a more interesting conversation. Yep, that's a good conversation. Yep. Hmm. If you, yeah, and that makes some sense. Um, but well, you could trade one of those guys and get like a really good asset back. <sighs> I'm not saying yeah. I want to do that because, like, they're both Brody and Muzzin are, are are great players. I'm just I, I'm, to me like I, this feels like this is going to be Zach Hyman 2.0 to me. Yeah, but, I just all right. I just think that the the dollars might be a little bit closer than they were with with Hyman, and I mean, frankly, it's probably easier to replace a winger than it is to replace a defenseman. Yeah, like, it's a very complicated situation because of the, the role he plays. The other thing, Jonas, too, is I think with Riley, you could go the eight years, and then that's like maybe you can bring the cap hit down with that. Like if you can give him, I'm just doing doing some. I got my my little calculator out here. Like if you could do six point eight by eight, that's fifty four right. million. And then like so, if another team would have to offer, you know, quite a bit more. I mean, what's he getting There's, on the open market? Like seven point six. I I bet some team will pay him eight. I don't know. Don't you? Maybe. So so all you need is one, and like we've seen, there are some interesting. Is a nice way to put it. Front offices, right? Well, so if someone gives them eight by seven, that's fifty six million. And if you give them six point eight times eight, that gets you to fifty four point four. So like the the money is basically the same. Yeah. True. I mean, another question is, is it, is it a good idea to sign him to that kind of contract? And and I don't know if that is either. <sighs> but I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. We could probably do a whole hour on this, but we're <laughs> in the middle of a game, James. Oh, so yeah. okay. the next question right. in my special game, convinced or unconvinced, James, Ilya Mikheyev deserves a look in the top six. This will be controversial, but I'm going to say convinced. I think I would give him a, sh- I think I would give him a shot there, even if it's like 10 games or something. Tell me why. I think that if you want to get the most out of him you possibly can, you give him another chance. Because I think if you bury him, you might as well you might as well trade him. Like you don't need like a distant. He doesn't want to be like on a checking line that's in starting in the D zone every shift. He doesn't want that role. You might as well trade him. That's interesting. You think he doesn't want that role, eh? No. I mean, I, he wants a score. That's why he requested a trade. He like he thinks that he can produce offense in the in the NHL. He did his first half season. Wow! So I'm unconvinced. Well, I think most people are probably unconvinced. I I think like I see what you're saying. You're saying basically you kind of need to coddle him a little bit and at least say, "Here, we gave you an opportunity." And then if it doesn't work, you're like, "Well, listen, bud. Like we gave you ten games. I don't know what to tell you." I think my guess is Jonas, I, and I know I said it, that our, our mock roster had bunting on the diverse line. I I wouldn't be shocked if Mikheyev starts there just to to give him a run there to see if he can get back his his mojo from his rookie season. I'm unconvinced. I've kind of. <sighs> Were you ready to give up on Mikheyev? You no, know, I just don't. I just don't think he belongs in that kind of role. I think there. I 
I understand what you're saying, and I think it's a it's a valid point. But I think what is best for the team is that he's on the checking line because that's better. That's more aligned to what his skill set is. Like I don't. He may think of himself as uh, better offensively than I think he is. Like I, I just don't see that in him. I don't see him making Tavares and and Neander better. I don't. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think the skepticism is warranted based on how he played last season and 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 what happened in the playoffs with him last year. But you know, watching the Amazon series and seeing the way that McKay, like, just how down McKayev was and how you know the conversations he was having with Dubis and it just it really you kind of got the sense that he didn't want to be there. And then there's the trade request, and then so they, they need to think about. They need to think about like do what they want to have this guy who doesn't want to be in 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 that position playing there. It's a good point, and I'm glad you brought that up. Apparently, so what? I don't know if we discussed this or not. Um, but the way that worked in in the office is like they had robotic cameras set up, so there wasn't like a big crew in there for any of those meetings. It was just like a robotic camera. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So may, so maybe that makes so in that in that sense you're it's probably not as like performative as I had initially thought because like the camera's just there and you, you don't even, you probably don't even see it or, or, or you've probably forgotten about it most of the time. Um, but, he, but, the, but the one thing with that doc, like you're mentioning is like, he looked fragile and like someone who was going through it. You know what I mean? Like, well, even the meeting with Dubis, like he looked like a player who's kind of a little bit like he's unhappy. Una- yeah. In the KHL, he was the best player on the team. He played power play. He played penalty kill. He played big minutes. You know, it's like, it's kind of like the the player that comes from junior and is used to like playing in every situation and then gets to the NHL and you got to like, and I, I think that, that fans and you and, uh, you know, everyone else commenting is warranted in saying that he hasn't earned that top six spot. I just think they might give him a shot there, one more shot there to, do you think like I, he was talking about the arm and everything and the injury and how his arm was in that position and they started calling him the Cobra and everything. Like, I wonder how much of a factor that was last year. In terms of his shooting? Yeah. And just everything, puck yeah, handling, like all maybe, that kind of stuff? Maybe it's going to just take longer to like, you know, what? I, my limited medical knowledge, when you get the tendons cut, it takes a long time to get back to where they were. I think that's a valid point. I think that's fair. Um, all right, let me read you some numbers. So this was his first year. He played 39 games. About 516 minutes. These are five-on-five stats. Six goals, 15 assists, 21 points. Last year, James, 54 games, about 651 minutes, so more minutes. Seven goals, seven assists, 14 points. And the first year, I believe his on-ice shooting percentage was 9%, and then last year was just under seven. I don't know if that helps you with anything. Reading stats on a podcast is probably not a great idea. Oh, well, this podcast, we're all about it. I mean, I was I was using my little calculator on my computer while we were on the podcast earlier in the show, so it doesn't get more exciting than that. How real did like that first half season actually feel to you, and how much of it do you f- did you feel like was just like he was a bit hot and lucky? I mean, he looked really good. Like he was getting like all of those chances and. I, I think that he just looked like a better player, to be honest. Like, I mean, some of it was probably what was his not just on any shooting percentage. What was his overall shooting percentage the year before versus? Do you still have that? In, you still have that in front of you? So yeah, I do. So that's actually interesting. Year one, five on five only, seven point one four percent. 
Year two, 8.14%. How do you like them apples? Hmm. So did he just generate way fewer shots then? Uh, Yes. He had 84 shots the first year and only 86 last year. And that's with like significantly more ice time. There's part of the problem, right? Like he did, he just looked like a different player last year than the first year to me. Like remember how confident he was and just like, he was like all over the puck and he looked a lot more dynamic for whatever reason. Maybe it's, maybe it was the arm. I don't know. And maybe like, he's not gonna be able to get that back. I, I don't know. But I'll, what I do know is that he does not look like a happy player. There was a trade request, you know, like you're going to, I, you're going to put this guy with David Kampf in the defensive zone on every shift. Yeah, but so the the counter is like, so, okay, so let's say you put Mikheyev with Tavares and Nylander, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess then the solution is you just go Kerfoot, Kampf, Kasha, and then you put Bunting with yep. Spetsen and, and Simmons. Yep. That could work. I guess. I'm on, like, obviously I'm driving the, the Michael Bunting bus. So... Like he he'll be fine with that. Like that's the thing. Like you're probably more likely to appease everyone that way, at least to start, and then just let it play out. It it's so tricky though. It's like it's like then why is Richie playing ahead of Bunting? Because like honestly, Richie's not better than Bunting. Sorry. Well, I I think Keith has said that this isn't settled yet, right? Like he's still thinking nothing is settled. Yeah. Like that's that's the one thing we we kind of get lost in uh, in these conversations is the way it starts is never the way it finishes. Like, it doesn't really matter how they start. So, are you ready for your next one? How many more do you want? Uh, well, if we're going to answer some questions from readers, we're going to be running thin. Okay, last one. Hmm, hmm, hmm. All right, this is an interesting one because we haven't talked about this player very much. Wayne Simmons still has enough to play regularly. Mm, enough left. Un- Sorry. Unconvinced. I think that he should... He's another one where, like, the first half of the season he looked good, and then after the injury he was not really effective at all. So, um, I think he should be on the fourth line. I think he should play. He will be for sure. No more than eight or nine minutes a game, and I think that he should sit like 20, 30% of the games. I also agree. I'm unconvinced. Um, I, I think that two-year contract could be, I mean, like, they can bury it. But it, he's such an like clearly an important player in their room, and so he's obviously had this great career. Those kinds of things can get awkward with a two con- like with waivers and Marleys, and you know what I mean. Like, and it's a two year contract. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think they may regret the two year thing. What commitment. they need, what they need, Jonas, is not to be so tight to the cap that they can't even carry an extra forward. Like, that's just that's too tight. Yeah. That's too tight in a situation like this. Yeah, you're right. And that's I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see how they handle it because like we saw last year with with Joe Thornton, Joe Thornton stayed in the lineup. Now he moved down the lineup and didn't play as much, but like they never scratched him. He was on the top power play unit in the playoffs. Yeah. In game 7, passing the puck to no one. I wonder where is he playing in Florida? I haven't actually looked at the they Florida had him lines. On like, a, on like the fourth line center, I think. He was he's with a couple young guys. That makes some sense, I guess. All right. How did you enjoy the the first round of convinced or unconvinced? Uh, is say, it a hit? I gotta say, Jonas, I'm a bit unconvinced. I wow. <laughs> that was really good. I'm I'm impressed that you you did that. You, you sp- spun it around. You set me up. I, I loved it. I had fun. All right. Let's come back. Let's take some questions on the pod bag. 
Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, James, it is your time to shine. I remind you to support your local restaurants. Uh, I'm going to go to my favorite bakery, I think, in the next day or two, although I have to go to Gravenhurst, but maybe I'm maybe on my way up. I'll go to my favorite bakery and grab a cinnamon bun. That's kind of my my plan, roughly. I think you have to name the bakery, Jonas, in order for this segment to be... I don't want to ruin the like. I don't want anyone to know about it because <laughs> it's like lineup of people outside wanting to see you get your cinnamon bun. No, actually, I'm just worried that that'll become even more popular than it is, and it's going to take even longer because the lines can be pretty long. Go ahead, take over, pod bag. I love our audience because I think we get the most minutiae questions ever. Well, I think we are the most niche leaf podcaster. Is no, well, maybe not. <laughs> Jetty, I guess I guess not. Jetty Campbell asks, uh, "Who do you think the goalies in the AHL are going to be?" It seems like they have four or five capable AHL goalies. I mean, Colgren, I guess, will play down there. That is as niche as it gets. The yeah, I AHL told you. goalies. I told you. <laughs> Hutchinson and, and Colgren, I guess, and maybe your road, maybe Wall and and Scott. Well, I guess Scott's hurt, unfortunately. We wish him. Hopefully, he can get well. Uh, I don't know that they have four or five capable AHL goalies. Uh, Hutchinson and Colgren will play a lot of the games for the Marlies. We've been asked a version of this before, but let's see if we have any changes in our... uh, Marshall wants to know, uh, where do you have the Leafs finishing this season in the Atlantic Division? Tampa, Boston, and the Panthers look really scary. Uh, What do you think the order will be? That's going to be... He says that's going to be the top four in the Atlantic. What do you think the order is going to be? You picked and we asked for where your team's going to pick, and you pick the Leafs to win the division. Did I? I, I, I actually kind of think that that's what's going to happen. Here's why. I, I think Tampa, after back-to-back cups, I mean, I just think there's going to naturally be less motivation in the regular season. And guys, are they've obviously gone through it physically. Boston, I, I don't think, is as good as they have been in past years. And I'm not, like, I'm not as sold on Florida as everyone else. Especially like in goal, I, I don't know what their goaltending situation is going to look like with Spencer Knight and Bobrovsky was bad last year. And I just think like the Leafs are A, really talented and B, like they have a lot to prove. And obviously the regular season they know is not going to prove anything to people, but it's a really good place to get your running start. You know what I mean? To the playoffs, just like last year, which obviously did not work, but they established like a lot of good habits in the regular season last year that... Some of them did actually last. Like defensively, they were really good against Montreal. So 
That's my pick. What about you? So I'll go Toronto, Tampa, Boston, Florida. I think that the Leafs on paper are the second best team in the division. So sure, but I mean, I think that that's fair. Like Tampa's got a lo- quite a number of changes. They lost some good players. That's the other point. They lost their entire their their second best line last year. Yeah, Yanni Gord. You know, there's there's going to be there's probably got to be some fatigue too. Like they crammed those two cup winning seasons in like pretty short succession. Like it was a short off season both yep. both years. Um. I still really like Tampa's team, though. And I like some of the young guys that they've got that people haven't heard of. They're going to be coming into the lineup and playing more. I think they've got enough uh, enough depth there that I, w- I would pick them. But I, the, the, the possibility is there for Toronto to win the division. I think that should be their goal. I think they should try to win the division. It should definitely be their goal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Boston and Florida are, are maybe a little bit overrated. I, I'm concerned with both teams in goal. I don't know what they're. Yep. Gonna, I don't know what they're going to get in goal. I'm not a huge Linus Allmark fan. Uh, and Florida, it's a real wild card with with the kid with Spencer Knight there and and Bobrovsky. I mean, I like Florida's team. I, I really like you know bringing in Reinhardt. Their forward group is is excellent. It's going to be fascinating. I'm I'm really interested to see. But if if I had to pick, I would say Tampa, Toronto, Boston, Florida is is what I think is going to happen. All right, so we're we're similar on the uh, that front. That's a good question. That's a really good question. I think the division. I mean, seeing it back together this year, eyeing the playoffs. I'm intrigued to see what it looks like after last year because, like last year, we had that Canadian division question, like what's real, what's not, and that's gone now. Steve Larouche wants to know: um, Do we think any of the players that they've put on waivers uh, are gonna are they gonna make it through, or could they get claimed? He asks about Menel, Joey Anderson, etc. I think any of those guys are uh, Michael Hutchinson cleared today on Wednesday. I had like a brief thought watching that Montreal game. Like, is someone going to claim Hutchinson? I mean, like he's not the best, <laughs> but I don't know. Some of the backups are on the league. Anyway, he cleared. Is anyone else going to get claimed? I don't think so. Do you? I kind of like that Brennan Menel, but I don't know like that he's, he had a big year in the KHL. He's not that old. He's a right shot. Look at some of the guys that have been claimed the last few days, like for by other teams. It's like, who the hell is that guy? (laughs) It would depend on if some of these other teams see NHL players or potential NHL players. Like Joey Anderson's pretty young. He signed this year and next, I believe, uh, for cheap. I don't know. Like if you think he might be an NHL player, why not? Well, that's the thing. You can't claim a guy and put him in the AHL. If if you claim someone waivers, you got to... You got to put him on your roster. So you have to, he has to fit. The Leafs don't have room to carry extra players the way that a lot of other teams do. So like the, you could claim one of these guys and put them as like your extra guy. I mean, they're going to, I don't know. They're going to have to wave better. The Leafs are going to be waving better players in a couple of days. So uh, Craig asks, do we think there's any chance to give Lilgren a chance next to one of their veteran defensemen? He's looked really solid in preseason. Seems time to, to see if he can be something in the NHL. Um, there's not really a veteran to play him with, is there? Like, you're not going to play him with Riley or Muzzin because you, no, you want so those guys I, to play heavy minutes. I don't think he will play with a veteran, but I can see a situation where he plays for one of, maybe it's Sandine the odd night, maybe it's Dermot the odd night. Like, I could see a situation, again, it depends, like, are they able to get into a situation where they can have an extra defenseman? But I could see that, you know what I mean? Like, where... If they, they're carrying seven defensemen in one night, maybe it's a back-to-back, they plug him in. 
Like maybe maybe Sandin won't play every single game. I don't know. I guess it'll depend on how he plays. Well, like you, I could see a situation where like he is it's midway through the year, it's January, he's worn down or and and they just slip him out for a game and play Dermot and Lilligren on the third pair. You know what I mean? It's not like the Leafs are super deep on the right side. Like they have Brody, who's like kind of the mainstay, and then it's like Hall Dermot on his offside. Mm-hmm. Lilgren, like if there's one injury on the right on right D, Lilgren is in your top six because Riley Muzzin don't play on the right side. I don't think Sandine will either. So like, no, Sandine has. So they they do have that flexibility. I mean, Biega played what is it, thirteen games last year? Not a lot, but well, that yeah. I mean, Lilgren. I kind of like him. Lilgren, yeah, he's fine. He's old, but he's yeah. he's fine. He he's like a. If he if he's on your team, he's only playing like twelve minutes a game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Joshua wants to know if if the goalies remain healthy, what do you think the games played split will be between them? I mean, it's going to depend who plays better, really. Like, it, you know, if one of the goalies is clearly better than the other, then they'll get more starts, and if they're similar, they'll probably split the whole year. I think it'll end up being like a forty something to something like that, where they're pretty close. Yeah, me too. And then, and then the interesting question will be the playoffs. Like how, what if both guys are just like pretty good and then like you have to make a decision for the playoffs, then it gets kind of interesting. But then I guess you could just flip back and forth. Sorry to keep interrupting. Go ahead. New year, new me, who is a return questioner says, what player on the Leafs is the most interesting to talk to? Who's the most different in an interview versus in normal conversation? That's a good question. Who's the most an different in an interview versus in normal conversation? I've got an answer. Do you have an answer? You go first. Neilander by like a mile. Yeah, that's yeah. The interview, he's just death. <laughs> he's not great <laughs> he's, in interviews, but like he's he's like more interesting outside those situations. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, as soon as it turns into, uh, especially the cameras there or whatever, it's. I, I understand. Like I, you know, I think you know, if it was me, I would be much worse with like a camera in my face in like a formal setting than if I was just like oh, talking. Yeah. You know, I mean, it make it's just human nature, right? Yes. Well, some guys are really comfortable with it. Like you can see, Matthews is just fine, doesn't care. Like, well, is just comfortable doing it, and other guys less so. Like, which Matthews in the first sense. year, it was like a bit unusual, and he he quickly. well, he was like nineteen, wasn't yeah. it? Or no, he was yeah, he was nineteen. Uh, so the first part of the question is what player is the most interesting to talk to? I mean, I guess it depends. I, I find Dermot interesting. We haven't been you around the Macaulay? We, we, <laughs> we haven't been around the players as much. Like we're kind of, we haven't been able to like have conversations with them. I used to like talking to Zach Hyman a lot. I think I, I, I Matthews is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think my answer for that is probably Spezza. Just because, like, he is a, yeah, he a, is a, a obviously one. such a knowledge for the game, and like he's he wants to talk about it. His his thoughts on like he knows other players very well. Like he knows what they do well. He knows what they don't do well. He knows other teams. Like he's probably I mean, how can you measure this? But like he's got to be one of the bigger fans who's actually playing in the NHL. He's also just seems like good. like what you see on TV, whatever. He just seems like such a wonderful person. Like you know, what I I've gone to. Spezza and I had I'm working on this story it's about so-and-so and whatever he's like oh okay and like you know he'll he just is helpful and 
I, I don't know. After talking to his dad for the story I did during the playoffs last year, it's like I can see where he gets it from. Like they're just just very, very, very like kind and generous people. Good answer. Okay, what else? Here, here's a good question. Wally wants to know: Do you think Josh Hosang will play for the Leafs at some point this season? You can answer that first if you want. <sighs> Boy, there's a lot of guys in front of him. I'm going to say yes, he gets into at least some games. I'm going to say no. Yeah, there's a lot of players in front of him. Like we just talked about the log jam. There's going to have to be a bunch of – he's going to have to be really good with the Marlies and there's going to have to be a bunch of injuries. Well, and his role is would have to be pretty specific. Like they power would play. need an injury. Yeah, yeah and, but they would need an injury basically. I guess you could play him on the fourth line and play him on the power play, but like – he kind of needs the right opportunity and like the guy, are you going to give, I guess you'll, you'll just give it to the best player, but I was going to say like, are you going to give an opportunity to him over say Nick Robertson? Maybe. Yeah. Like uh, if Robertson is still kind of finding his way, maybe I, I just don't see it, but maybe Conrad wants to go back to the Riley situation. He says, given that Riley will likely walk at the end of the season can at least really rely on an aging Jake Muzzin to play this well going into his mid thirties and pray that, Rasmus Sandin can play in the top four. Feels like a repeat of some of the other UFAs that have walked. I mean, we talked about that a little bit, but there is a lot resting on on the D that are getting older. Part of what concerns me is that, you know, they had this good regular season last year with a core that has some older pieces in it that it's going to be hard for them to be that good year after year after year. Well, so after this year, Muslim will have two years left at 5.625. Is that tradable? Yeah, it's probably. heavily front-loaded, that deal, too. So it's probably There's hardly tradable. anything left after you pay the bonus on the third year, if I remember correctly. And he, it, he went into the signing that contract knowing that he might not be in Toronto the whole way through. Like, I don't think it has a no-move or a no-trade in it. I remember reacting to that signing at the time and just thinking, being a little wary about those third and fourth years because he is old, getting older and he he's had, has had, he's had injuries. a lot of injuries. Yeah. And then he, yep, he each wears of the like, last couple of years. I don't know if they showed it on the dock or not, but he has these knee braces that look like they're like, they're like from that movie Elysium or whatever, where like the, the guy had like a bionic spine. I never watched that movie. The other reviews were sh- like that it was shit. It was okay. Was, yeah, it's just okay. It was okay. I would still watch it, but I like that kind of a movie. I mean, I've seen the Venom movie like many, many times, and I, the, the reviews on that one weren't very good. Yeah, I won't. And that's not not for me. What? Come on. The no. sequel's out in theaters right now. You got to come watch it with me. I've seen the previews. Like, <laughs> No. Woody Harrelson is carnage. Yeah, I like Woody Harrelson as a bad guy. I'm intrigued by that. There's just a lot of stuff to watch, though. Well... Venom, Venom is them. now on Netflix, if you ever... Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got? How much time do we got? One or two more? I think we got one or two more. There's a lot of questions about Mikhail being on the second line. I, I feel like we've talked about that a lot. That's part of what I'm trying to avoid is just like bringing up what we've talked about already. I appreciate that. Um, this is a good question. Uh, <laughs> this person's Twitter name is Trade Kerfit While You Still Can. I think they've asked wow. a question in the past. Would it make sense to move Kerfoot? Seems like there are slightly worse, but way cheaper options they could use at at on the third or the fourth line. Like, is it does it make sense to? If there's a use for that cap space, then I then I think maybe you want to create that room. I mean, maybe trading Kerfoot in mid season makes sense if you feel really good about what your other forwards are doing, and then you'll have a bunch of space that you can trade it use at the trade deadline. 
I don't know. I like having the the option of him in case you need him. I just don't. So you're trading him basically for nothing in all likelihood, right? Like you're not trading for anything of significance. So then the idea would be to take that cap space and use it later. But like that's an unknown, right? Uh, I don't know. I guess I guess maybe it allows you you build some cap space and maybe you can trade for a better player. Maybe. I, I just think the option of him is helpful, as you saw last year in the playoffs. All right. Last one for this week. Bud's Outsider asks, do the Leafs take a look at Aaron Dell as their number three goalie after getting waived by Buffalo? Well, you know, you can explain the problem with that, James yeah, claiming him. Yeah, you can't. He has to be on your roster. Like, you can't you can't claim a guy and then put him on your AHL team. That's, that's one of the stipulations with waivers so the Leafs don't have extra cap space to carry a third goalie I mean I guess they do if they if they don't carry an extra forward or an extra D and they just want to carry three goalies but it's they love Aaron so much well Aaron Dell did you know they were trying to hold on to him last year but he didn't have a very good season and his, his value is not where it was last year when there was all the talk about him being on waivers and losing him and all that Hutch outplayed him how about yeah, that yes yes Yes. Who would have thought? So there, you know, I, I was with you. I thought that maybe there would be a chance that, that they would lose Hutchinson on waivers. So that's like a small win for the organization that he cleared. And they've got someone who who played really well as a number three last year there in the pipeline. Well, like, it's not the biggest deal. But if he got claimed, like, who would their number three have to go be? find? They'd have to try and find some someone else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're right. I mean, I guess it's Colgren. I guess and it's like but then like you start thinking well like does the number three goalie like if, they, if they're down to their number three goalie for a significant period they're they're in tough no matter what but it's obviously better to have someone who's played some games who's okay than not oh buds outsider has one more question for you able to close it out he says what's okay. the over under on the amount of time spicy j uses the word spicy in an article before the end of the season I'm just going to do, like, can I do, like, 25 times? Just use it every every line? Well, then you'd be the under, because he, he he says 54 is the over-under. Oh, I love it. I should try. I, I'm going to have to tell our guests to make sure they take them all out. <laughs> you got to give them another word that they plug into that. Hey, Julian, do you <laughs> edit any Jonas stories? Another word that they plug in? Okay, I'll, so, I'll come up with something even more ridiculous. Oh, I'm going to start thinking. All right. Well, so if you haven't um, signed up for The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. Uh, you can listen to the podcast on The Athletic app if you want. It's great, easy to use. Our app just like, keeps getting better and better and better all the time. It's kind of nuts. Well, the good thing about listening on the app is you don't have to listen to the ad reads, which, you know, are amazing. <laughs> yeah, you are missing out if you don't get the ad reads, but that's yeah. just... Uh, I listen. I use Spotify for my my podcast. That's what I and we are we are on there. So sign up there if you like. All right. And so next week, James, we'll be back before the season starts. Season starts on Wednesday, and then they play Thursday as well. So we'll have lots to talk about. We got a lot going on, a lot coming at the Athletic to read and enjoy. Pitter patter, let's get at her, Jonas. I'm ready for some real games that mean something. Or at least they, they mean more than preseason games anyway. Thank God. Die preseason, die. All right, James, we'll talk next week. Goodbye.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.